Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to another episode of Wise the Dome TV. Today, I have a very, very special guest, man. I have the host of the Griot podcast, Brother Kofi and Brother Sean, also the authors of the new book, The Modern Day Griots and Griotis. Um, amazing book, The New Generations. Amazing book. We're going to talk about the podcast. We're going to get into some of the uh, contents of the book. We're also going to build on just like what it means to be a griot uh, then and now, you know, and I, I feel like this will definitely be an important conversation because um, if if you know what a griot is, you know, the transmission of our information from, you know, the wise elders to the youth is something that is an extremely important part of our progression as uh, young black men and women, but it can also be seen as somewhat uh, part of the rites of passage of of manhood and womanhood. And so I wanted to get into all of that. But again, thank you, brothers, for coming on. No problem, man. I appreciate you, man, for, you know, having us on your platform, man, the Wiser Dome uh, TV, man. This is my second time around on here, man. Um, so I'm grateful. Man, and humbled to be back on, uh, you know, a respectable platform, man, with sincere, you know what I'm saying, and positive uh, information, man. Indeed, man. Uh, hey, pleasure's all mine. And this is like, like I said, you know, we're going to keep it going. Um, so, uh, the the podcast is always home uh, for y'all. So, um, but let's get into it. Um, the Griot Podcast, uh, great podcast. Brother Kofi, Brother Sean, what made y'all what made y'all start it up? And for those who might not be uh, tapped into it yet, uh, what can they expect on the podcast? Go ahead, Sean. I'll let you go in and answer this question if you will. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I've been I've been first and foremost, I, I love saying this. I was a fan of Kofi for years before he and I ever connected. I was I was like anybody else watching YouTube, mm -hmm. watching his lectures, watching his presentations. Uh, sharing it to my friends, like, man, you got to check this out, you know, loving what he was doing. And then uh, ultimately we made acquaintances and I was a guest on his show mm -hmm. years ago. He had an author show and I was the guest on there. And then years go by during the pandemic, he was a guest on my platform with his books, promoting his uh, work. And we realized that our natural chemistry mm -hmm. was so mm -hmm. just naturally on point. Right. You know, and then after that, we, we were so aligned in our mindset on various things. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know what? We should do a podcast together. And we're going to talk about being the, being the griot. Both of us are authors. Mm -hmm. Both of us are podcast hosts. Both of us have uh, presentations and lectures. It's only right to do an actual podcast about why we chose that lane and why we carry that torch, right? Mm -hmm. that's, kind of, that's, kind of, that's kind of the birth of the griot podcast. But what you can expect... Kofi has a long background studying African traditions, principles, culture, the food, dialect, mm -hmm. the whole nine. Right. Not just a little surface kind of person. Mm -hmm. He's been time going deep in that thing, and I love that about him. So Kofi can give you that historical, traditional prospect of what the roles of a griot and the griot, griotti is, mm -hmm. the many roles that they played, mm -hmm. and then how do we look at today's lens how does that look today? Right, right. What is our responsibility that we carry today to tell our ancestors stories to our youth, empower them, right? Mm. And then we also every show have a different topic that we are focusing on, and we're doing a whole 360 view of that particular topic uh, per month. And that's on YouTube, by the way. 
Dope, yeah. And uh, the link will definitely be in the description. Um, you mentioned something, um, and anyone feel free to answer this. Um, and we'll just keep that format like for the rest of the show. Whoever want to answer, just answer. If you both or just one, we'll do it like that. But um, Sean mentioned something, uh, you know, important about the telling the telling of the ancestors' stories. Um, in 2023, why is that important now? Why are the stories of our ancestors at home and abroad important for our, you know, growth and development as Black men and women in today's society? Can I, can I say a yeah. little piece real quick? Yeah, oh, for sure. And I'll, and I'll piggyback I never off want, you. Oh, I, 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 never off wanna, you. <laughs> I never want to cut my brother knowledge, man. But I'm going to give a small example of why it's important, right? We all see what's going on right now in Alabama. Mm. They're commemorating the uh, the church bombing, right? Mm -hmm. We all know about the church bombing. Mm -hmm. Whenever I say the word Alabama church bombing, the image in your mind is probably those four sisters, you know, rest in peace, respect. Mm -hmm. Until last week or so, not many people realized there was a, two brothers that yeah. lost their lives that day. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. A lot of folks that study our history, that's their career. Mm. They didn't even know about these two brothers. Yeah, one was killed by the police. Killed by the police, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't realize till about a month or so ago. One of those, uh, one of the four ladies, uh, uh, she's still alive to this day. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question in, in twenty seconds, why it's important to tell these stories? We got to get these stories complete and get these stories right. Right, right, right. Because right. I'm in my forties. I don't, I don't know y'all ages. But I'm not. I'm not gonna make y'all say that. But I'm just <laughs> saying, I've been this long. It's been 41 years of Black History Month, and I ain't never heard that before. And yeah, and for the record, I just found this out about three weeks ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? I haven't been holding this knowledge for, for years, months, no. and I do a lot of studying, but I just found out about this a couple weeks ago. And so it's, yeah. it's so much, it's so much, uh, it's so much piecemeal storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we get the same things regurgitated without going deeper, without going wider. So things that Kofi and I discussed on the Green Eye podcast, we pride ourselves on our journalism. Mm, right, right. We, we are authors. We are mm -hmm. lecturers and everything else, all the other titles. Mm -hmm. But we pride ourselves on our journalism, too. We're not just coming on that pressing the little record button and giving y'all... <laughs> and freestyling we, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always harp on this. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it for a money grab. They don't know how many books that Kofi and I buy Per episode. Mm. I just said the word buy. Ain't nobody wow. sponsored. Well, we mm -hmm. got a sponsor now officially. Mm -hmm. I ain't said nobody. Mm -hmm. But not many people are sponsoring us like, man, go ahead and get them books right. to do a good show. Right. Wow. We 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 going we, we going buy documentaries to mm. watch. Mm -hmm. I didn't say the word somebody giving us documentary money. He take his money, I take my money we work for to give y'all a good show. Mm. Right? right? Right. So we're trying to go deep on the topic, not just skim the topic, mm. right? Yeah. And I'm gonna leave it right there for right there on that on that topic, man. <laughs> yeah, great, man. Um, but yeah, we we definitely um need it, you know, for if we my 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 thing is, and I keep saying it, and I'm gonna just keep saying it till everybody get it in their psyche, is we gotta tell our stories from our own perspective and from our own world and from our own worldview, right? So it's very important to share the stories, those stories that our ancestors, or those things that our ancestors did, right, in order to, one, 
to inspire, to to uplift, you know, and especially for our new generation to have a higher self-esteem about themselves that are a low self-esteem about themselves because a lot of people that doesn't look like us are telling our story and telling our story wrong, right? They're not telling about the major contributions that our ancestors made, right? So they're, they're, they are skipping or cutting out centuries of information dealing with us and going straight to here and say, boom, this is where these people started. So it's an empowering and uplifting those who are those who are telling the story, those who are writing the story. And most of the time, those who are writing the story are those who don't look like us, those who of European descent, those who of of Arab descent. Right. Right. So they are telling it in their own perspective, in their own worldview to make them seem more uh, better than the next race or better than the next, you know, the mm -hmm. next uh, group of people. Indeed, Sean. Yeah, I want, I want to I want to add on a little twenty second little mm -hmm. clip of what I just said. Uh, it's a new book that came out a few months ago. It's called King. It's about MLK, right? By uh by Professor Jonathan Edge, right? E I G Edge mm -hmm. did a phenomenal book on Muhammad Ali, by the way, too. Okay. But in that in that book, there are so many people attached to MLK life. You barely and rarely ever hear about some of the speech writers. Some mm. of the organizers, like mm -hmm. we only see that one man in our head. Right, right, right. We're talking about we're talking about a cabinet. This is for the president. He had a cabinet, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about a cabinet of people that was giving the man information, knowledge, giving the man all this strategic planning and backing. Right, right, that, right. That about. And you never I, hear about him. Most of those names. Yeah, you know I'm that's like, kind of, You know that's I'm I'm glad you said that because like whenever y'all were giving your answer, it, that's, and Sean made the point to say, you know, we have to get the history right. Um, and Kofi brought up about, and you know, and not and not even just that, the fact that we are seeing, you know, an attack on, um, attack on black history in, uh, in public schools and everything. And the first thing that I thought about was uh, Dr. King, right? And how they have made, Dr. King something that he wasn't um to make it more um you know they 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 have made the I I have a dream speech the totality of Martin Luther King's um uh ideology and politics when he was a lot more radical than no. that they called him a communist at the time he was ready to redistribute the wealth to the poor people but this is not the Dr. King that we hear about um and I, and also just one thing, like, because you, you brought up a great point and the, the notion about our ancestors, all they wanted, the only, the only thing that they were fighting for was to be American citizens is a narrative that they push within these spaces in academics, through a public schools, and that our history is much more complex than that. You might have some that were were looking at assimilation. You had some that were like, "Nah, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we need our own separate piece of land." But mm -hmm. it's all grouped in as to black people were fighting for one ideology, which is for you know 
to be American, to have voting rights for civil rights and this and that. And and that's it. And that's totally not true. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. I, I wanted to add on that. What you said, right? They also give us our history like in the vacuum. Mm -hmm. Like individualized, right? Like like all this stuff wasn't connected. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I love reading biographies, autobiographies, for, for example, right? But the more you dig deeper, once again, and you realize, like, wait a minute, you mean <laughs> Fannie Lou Hamer was getting down with this person? Right. And Nanny Helen Burroughs was borrowing mm -hmm. money from this person? And, and, and Robert Church Terrell in Memphis was funding money to this person? And Ida right. B. Wells with that person? Like, <laughs> right. you think about these people, like Ida B. Wells, mm -hmm. Robert Church. Mm -hmm. And then this person, instead of them being the collaborator, and he, like, and even Ida B. Wells and Frederick Douglass, you know, Ida B. Wells and W. E. B. Du Bois, we don't, mm -hmm. we don't hear, we don't hear yeah. all of this connected. And it you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Sean, because that's how I, that's, that's why I love reading biographies. It'll be, as well. <laughs> it, 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 it'll be a tragedy. Mm -hmm. If I was to pass, whenever I pass, mm -hmm. years later, mm -hmm. and they don't tell the story of me and Kofi together, right, it's right, out the way, in right. Matt. And now yourself, if you don't put it together, the Sean P story is wrong. I'll tell you that on record right now. The Sean P story is incorrect. If you think that Sean P is an individual so smart, so talented, so skilled, no, I'm not. Mm. I got a cabinet of people that put me in position. Right. This is not a standalone project. Facts. And, and I got to say that, man. No, no, I, I, I'm glad you took the time to say that because... um the deeper I began to study and get involved in my studies, the more I would like you, like you said, like I would say, okay, reading about Fannie Lou Hamer. Oh, in 64, Mal uh, you know, Malcolm came to one of her events and spoke and brought her out. Oh, okay. The connectedness here, Ella Baker, like she used to be down with Martin Luther King and then got down with SNCC. And like, you, so you start seeing like, yo, this is, this is not a, I, they, they didn't do this in an Island. This was a this was a movement, right? That was had many different parts. Uh, some ideologies may be, like you know, like all right. So, like a uh, perfect example. Um, there's this. I had. I'm not sure where where I got this from. Um, it was gifted, but it was a book uh, on the civil rights movement, and it had um, and it had <laughs> and it had a list enemies of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and one of those listed was Malcolm and it was and it was like yo well who's telling this story because they were they were not enemies they they may they may have had opposing ideologies on certain things but that's on certain things they had ideologies that were similar on others but the idea that everything was separate everything was an island everything like Sean said uh was done in a vacuum makes it gives the appearance um and I, and no actually it to the listener to the person who actually buys into that idea that everything was done in a vacuum it weakens what our ancestors did that came before us because there were so many moving parts uh, interdependentness of some of sorts and that's what i love about taking deep dives into these stories you you brothers wrote a book about being a griot and i feel like part of that be, being able to have that responsibility 
of being a griot, you have, like you said, you have to get these stories right and the little nuances and contextual things that most people don't really understand, the griot has to understand. Like, what are mm -hmm. y'all thoughts on that? I want, mm -hmm. I want to raise some, I want to raise some for Kofi right quick, because Kofi, the, Kofi the expert at this. We have a part in the book talking about oral messages, right? Oh, That's yeah. Kofi's chapter, oral <laughs> messages, right? Mm -hmm. So I tell all of my people that I mentor that life is a big old contradiction, right? For everything you think about, there is a contradiction to it, right? You know, one of the supposed downfalls to oral messages is things get misconstrued over time, tell it to tell. Mm -hmm. That does sometimes happen. Mm -hmm. And every person got their view of what happened, right? Right. So, if you read about the Black Panther Party hypothetically, because this really this really happened, whenever I talked to Geronimo Pratt myself mm. about forty minutes in a personal mm -hmm. conversation, mm -hmm. I'm talking about David Hilliard book on Huey P. Newton. I'm talking about Asada Shakur. I'm talking about Elan Brown, and Geronimo Pratt got personally pissed off at some of these names. Wow. Because he felt like their story was a false story or altered story or a fabricated story. Mm -hmm. And that's his personal take. Right. And if an individual talks to somebody himself, that's their take. Mm. So as a consumer of a story, you got to be able to sift it out and decipher how you're going to take it. Right, right. And okay. I, I, want, I want Kofi to go ahead on, on that with the oral messages, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, that, that was know, his chapter. Yeah, um, when we talk about the oral messages or oral tradition, we're talking about stories that was passed down from one generation to the next generation, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't, they don't value oral tradition. And most of the time when we say oral tradition, people are saying, speaking that, that it is mouth to ear. And you'll hear people say oral messages or oral tradition is not reliable. There will be no writing. And I made this specific in that chapter, there will be no writing without oral tradition. What can you write down if nobody was telling, you know what I'm saying, or passing these stories down? Hmm, right. Now, the story can get altered. If I tell you something, you go and tell somebody else something. But I look at everything through methodology. So there was a methodology when it comes to oral tradition. So it wasn't just about mouth to ear, right? Mm -hmm. It had different methods. So I talk about uh, the a historical aspect, the eridic as aspect, the literature aspect, where they pass things down through proverbs. They pass things down through performance arts. They pass mm. things down through singing. They pass down through reacting different war events. They pass things down um, through word them out they it was so many different ways that they was able to pass this thing down where it wasn't always just mouth to ear so there was different methods in order for their story or their history to preserve so it wouldn't be watered down by the time the 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 uh, uh of the next century came it's it's watered down it's not you know put in the right way so oral messages are definitely an important part you know um, to play when it comes to uh, the griot. But the griot, like I'm saying, the griot, people think that the griots are just historians. The griots are more than just historians, man. Like, I give you a, a, a ton of things the griot does, but it all comes to us conveying information. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The proper information, conveying that information, um, that proper information out um, to the people. Again, like I said, whether or not I related into uh, uh, um 
these uh, uh, all these times of the day, like a podcast hoster, like what we are doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We will be considered as a modern day griot, and that's what we are, modern day griot. Uh, um, I, I do want to ask you something, Brother Kofi. Um, when it comes to oral history, what are your thoughts on the fact that many scholars, including uh, especially white scholars, um, dismiss oral history and uh, and academia as to say that we had primitive civilizations because the you know the history in some cases was were, was only passed down orally and maybe not passed down, um, you know, uh, through written works. I, I see that a lot in academia sometimes where yeah. they try to make cases that written works are more important than oral traditions. Um, to me, that's like, well, no, I'll let you go ahead and answer. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, like I'm saying, that's that's untrue. That's mm -hmm. why I talk about it. I, I, that chapter, chapter Chapter three, oral messages. I did the whole, I did two presentations. I did a presentation on Kofi Pichet TV mm. and I did one on Masi Warrior Clan part two. So I go into the discussions about the same thing where academia, uh, and this is where a lot of people regurgitate a lot of this information from a lot of the Europeans saying that we was primitive. And and, and I don't understand that because you saying a primitive civilization, when you're saying civilization, that's an oxymoron, and it says, how can we be primitive and create a civilization? Because right. hence we have to be civil in order to create a civilization. <laughs> right. So it's so, but anyway, so I go into the chapter. Let me, I'm gonna turn to it real quick and we and I'm gonna I'm get off over here. So I try to I, I go into just to hush some of those things when people say that they are reliable because they people do regurgitate that stuff that you you're, that you're talking about. So I go into the methodology and I talk about the category. So I talk about African oral traditions in three different categories. So I talk about it from a lit literary standpoint. I talk about it from a historical standpoint. And I talk about it from an er erotic standpoint. So and I ain't going to go too far, but I said in the literature, it includes poetry or poetics because a griot is poet. And we tell our stories through poetry. That is another art form, right? Um, po poetic gestures divination which we know divination is a part of african culture and tradition poems and songs because the griotti she also sings you know what i'm saying the griotti tells our story and preserve our history and tell the contributions that their society or their people or their family made through writing songs and expressing those uh, expressing those songs but i go on and talk about it from a historical standpoint i'm not a historical standpoint well, we talk about folklore, folktale, and narratives, right? Those things are embedded into African culture, right? So we telling our stories through these folk folktales, through these ep these epics of what we calling novels. You know, these novels today, you know, to preserve our history, but also give a life lesson in some of those things mm. that our ancestors did. So when I go into the erratic part, so if so, people make those suggestions because they don't understand African culture in its totality so it's easy for me to say that because i don't know it okay shoot by the time it get down to joe blow next week it's going it's it's going to be something different right so right. there are many methods that they utilize that are not explain and go in depth in and even in those presentations on how they was able to preserve and keep a lot of their information intact and it wasn't by just one way where somebody sitting in a circle like most of the time you see a griot sitting there with children in a circle or 
a griot amongst his other griots and they're sharing their, their, their stories from mouth to ear. It's much more than that. Indeed. Um, how, and oh, yeah, go ahead, Sean. I just want to add on to what Kobe said with uh, more information, with new information, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, once again, all of us are older in this room. I don't know when y'all went to school or whatever. I didn't find out until last year we had Reggie on our panel for the book release, right? Reggie Reads from the Booster Pop Culture Podcast. They interviewed a brother last year, uh, Justin Tinsley. He wrote the book on Biggie Smalls that came out last year, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't find out until that podcast. In college now, it wasn't that way when I was in college. In college now, for your reliable sources that you are citing on your schoolwork, you can now add a podcast to that. Wow. So wow. I can, well, a person in school right now, they can go and source Kofi and myself, GRIA podcast in their document, and that could be certified as a reliable source. Yes. Wow. Yes. For those that didn't go to school, for those that didn't go to school, there's an actual way you verify and certify what's reliable and what's not. You can't just right. put anything on your paper. Right, right, right. And if you had it wrong, you have points taken off of your project because it's not a reliable source. That's right. a, the reliability of oral. Mm. But now we can use uh, the, the Drink Champs podcast in mm. my paper. I mm. can use some of BET in my paper in the existence of ours in school six, seven years ago. So you know, they're opening the doors slowly on, on these things. Yeah. 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 Wow, and, and and I found out about that man probably about four years ago or three years ago. It was a person that reached out to me that watched my show. I did a show dealing with uh, performance arts, you know, and telling story through performance art acting. And I did it from an African perspective. And I can't remember at this time what the brother went to school for, but he used my presentation, my lecture mm -hmm. off of uh, Masi Warrior claim into, uh, I was one of his, he cited me in his dissertation. Wow. <laughs> he used wow. me as a source wow. in there, man. And I was so honored. I That's wish I, and, and I can't even That's remember, problem. and I can't even remember um, the brother brother's name, man. And he's actually, the guy, he's actually from Mississippi too, but I don't forgot what part, what this guy, this was mm -hmm. like three or four years ago, man. And he inboxed me, man. I, I told everybody, man, but I, I didn't find out until that about about three, three, four years ago. That's dope. Um, you should, um, bro. You should. Um, one one thing I wanted to ask you guys, um, uh, both I want I want both of you to answer. Um, Outcast, one of my favorite groups, got a song called "An Artist Storyteller," <laughs> um, and the transmission of wisdom and African and uh, you know the diaspora. African societies and the diaspora, why is storytelling a great way to pass cultural ideas and lessons down? <laughs> we gotta go get the hump of pops back, back now. now. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, I just, I mean, it's so cold, man. I just thought, it, man. But, but, you, you want to go first and then I come in, man. It's, it's, it's all you, right. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good, big brother. Yeah, we got to do that all the storytelling, man. <laughs> well, we, we we all know the old saying is that the mother is the first teacher. Right. You, when you and your mama belly, forget about in the lab. When you inside mm. the belly, if you're if you're a parent on this on this live, whenever you know, 
I had situations whenever, you know, my ex or whatever was pregnant. I was always so serious about talking to the belly. I want the baby mm -hmm. to know my voice whenever they come out the womb. I was right. always big on that, man. Right. So the stories being conveyed and told starts, you know, in conception, if you ask me, to be technical mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. But then let alone whenever you finally hear in, in, this, in this plane, um, your parents and your household, your family, they're the first ones making impressions on you. Right. Right. So they are setting the tone of the culture, the traditions, you know. Mm -hmm. At this time of year, we're celebrating Juneteenth. At this time of year, we're doing Kwanzaa or whatever you do. That's your mm -hmm. business. But they're setting and embedding the tone on that first. Right. right. Before you go to school, before you go in the outside institution, the house is the original institution. So your grandparents and your parents and your siblings telling you these things, whether you believe them or not. It's doing something to your subconscious mind that's getting planted there. Mm -hmm. And I just told a group in private weeks ago, we find ourselves in our 30s and 40s doing certain things <laughs> habitually. We and start, we like, we're acting like our parents, man. <laughs> like <laughs> you, 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 You're being a robot, right? right. If I ask you, like, why do you do that? You probably can't even articulate mm. why you put a certain thing in your rice. You put a certain thing on your grits. You put a certain mm -hmm. thing on your... Are you doing that, man? I can't. I don't know. I, I like it like that. Mm. You think you like it like that? Mm -hmm. Somebody in your household was doing it like that, right? And you remember it like that, right? So I'm just making a simple example of how the tone gets set, and you got to sometimes get an adult and reset mm. if, if, if if it's not uh, if it's not profitable to your well being, right? Mm -hmm. But so that's why I think that the storytelling in, in, in the family is so important because they said it and they they hard set that thing so fast. Right. So early in your life, it sets the tone for your life, right? And mm -hmm. I, I'll let COVID take it off after that. Man, I really can't do nothing else. I well, mean, well, that's crazy. Well, well, Kofi, I'll ask you. I'll ask this aspect of it. See if you, is 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 the art of transferring wisdom in the form of a story. Does it make Does it make it easier for? people to digest is that was that the idea some you know like you know with the griot in some instances to to where instead of just saying hey uh you know culturally we don't do this this and this compared to having a story that conveyed that same message do you think that do you think it's you know that makes it more digestible the story, yeah, the storytelling makes it more digestible. It makes it more relatable when you can relate it, a story to something that they are actually experiencing and things that they're actually seeing in their natural environment. So that's why you see folk tales mm -hmm. and folklore that is embedded in, in African culture. You cannot separate the art of storytelling from African culture at all, right? When you dig into it. So you will look and look at all these different folklores and these folk tales, and they're telling it from um, a simplest way where a baby or anybody can get the story, right? And they make it relatable where they can understand it, where it's not going over the head. Mm. So, and give you an example, like even when we, we tell stories, when you look at the stories of the cosmology stories, when we and I'm talking about the creation of the universe, the creation of the supreme deity, the creation of the lesser deities, because in African culture, there's not one ruling guy. There's a supreme, and 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 even when we say God, most of the supreme deities have an a female counterpart, right? And then you have the lesser deities. So if 
they're talking about it and we're looking at it from a um what we're looking at we're looking at it from an uh, uh a perspective oh man and i studied this and i stopped studying this a, a while but uh uh like thermodynamics and uh astrophysics right if I go to telling them breaking down particles and 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 in the expansion and explosions mm. and such and such, you're not gonna understand me. You're not gonna right. follow me. So right. now, if I tell a creation story simple mm. and put it in a story format where it's something that you see every day and experience every day, that story will resonate and carry with you, right? Mm. So it was very important for those stories to be told in that in in that way. Wow, um, that, that's that. He just said something so powerful because I was gonna say I know all three of us. We come from a background where you gotta have your facts together. Oh, most definitely. Facts, mm -hmm. stats, data, mm -hmm. graphs, charts, <laughs> anthropology, all the other kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But I learned years later, and I tell my fictional writers how important they are. And I tell my fiction writing friends, what you're doing might be more important than what I'm doing. Mm. And they say, how's that? Because you're doing this fictional, fantastical story will stay in their mind longer than whatever facts and mm. data I'm saying. Brother Sean, I, I'm going to tell you the yeah, truth. Honest. Brother Sean, uh, up until maybe like three or four years ago, I felt like, yo, it was a waste of time to read fiction. I wouldn't, I, like, you know, I wouldn't. Then I started, you know, going back to some of the older stuff, um, like, uh, you know, Things Fall Apart, with Chinua Achebe. Then I read, uh, you know, some Toni Morrison and James Baldwin and and Richard Wright and just like some of the old. And I was like, yo, Classics. I was like, what? Like, you know, I, I was like, this might be um, this might be a, a fictional story, but the message that is being conveyed like that's real you know what i'm saying and you're right it stays with you and it's just as important it's just as important as as uh historical works you know it's just i just told a young brother i mentor on a drive over here i said bro this year i'm proud of myself i probably read way more fiction mm. than non-fiction for the first time in 15 plus years right 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 i told i told you earlier i love biographies mm -hmm. i love autobiographies i love our history right african history caribbean history I, I love i love that stuff man but this year i made more of a concerted effort to, to widen myself out i'm reading freaking comics mm. i'm reading mm -hmm. graphic novels right i'm reading right. Uh, uh, young young adult literature Right, and I'm realizing the complexity and what they're dropping in these fictional tales. Oh, it's complex. It's oh, it's and I, I, yeah. I, I raised up Brother Reggie again for the second time on this particular talk because watching their podcast the past three or four years and the way they break down fiction for three or four hours at a time, mm. it made me realize the depth mm -hmm. of what's in there. Man, I started really, really reading fiction different after watching what they do with fiction. Like, wow. That stuff is loaded, man. Yeah, this stuff I, is loaded. So I, um, you know. I, I was reading the, you know, like some Zora Neale Hurston. I think uh, the last. That's was, crazy. I'm was, reading her right now, <laughs> and I'm reading. Sean put me on her. We're gonna talk about oh, her on the man. next episode. But right, that's man. crazy. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I read um, the eyes were watching God, and uh, that's what you're reading. That's All right, what so I'm reading. I, so I'm gonna get some <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 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 but
My, my book club read it uh, last month. We read it last month. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah, and, and when we get off um, air, let me know about the book club. I'm definitely down. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But um, the fact that she was an anthropologist, right? And, you know, when we get in, and like, you know, it, it, it uh, the story took place in Eatonville, Florida. Eatonville, Florida was really a black town that was created by former slaves in which she grew up in. Right. So she's telling a story. It may be fiction, but this is based on it's it's a historical fiction. And mm -hmm. she's able to convey like so like I looked at it like, all right, if somebody just read if somebody just wrote a book on the history of Eatonville, Florida, I might, you know, get some stuff from it and remember remember some things like, you know, who founded it, what year it was founded, but the nuance of everyday life cannot be expressed in that manner. But the fact that she's writing a fictional book about a town in which she grew up in, she's able to convey what it was like there way better than any, you know, just book based on nothing but facts and data would be able to. Cause black people like, yeah, go ahead. I just want to add, I'm so glad that Kofi is on this journey because as I said earlier, Kofi is so steeped in so many things. Mm -hmm. The amount of things that he gonna see in it, mm. uh, tradition-wise, mm -hmm. our Native American traditions, mm -hmm. our other traditions, all that stuff is so laced in there. Right. If I can catch it, I can only imagine what he gonna catch enough. He go through that thing with that fine tooth comb. He gonna see all kind of stuff and what yeah. they, and what they're doing with their. Uh, indigenous medicines and their herbs mm, and right rituals and the they talk that about doing there. They talk and she talks about that and you know she was init she got initiated into voodoo in Haiti whenever she did some work out there she was she knew about she knew about oh I got to I got to get back on the book I got to get it she's really dope man um I, yeah she's really dope uh but yeah you know but I, I'm glad you're reading it too because like I, just what I got. What what I not only just the story of what she's conveying in this book, and I kind of it kind of reading it, it kind of trans transports you to the world that she lived in, and you get to you know see how everybody interacted in it, and you know it's it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful book, man, and um you know and so like yeah you know when it comes to the art of storytelling, I, you know it's definitely important way to you know transmit our culture our history um and i'm glad i'm definitely thankful that on my journey that i, I stopped being so uh uh i stopped being so bullheaded and, and was like yo i'm gonna break down and read some of this uh some of these fiction works by you know some of our great writers because uh, it's, it's it's definitely worth it um what you know we kind of touched on it earlier um all three of us big fans of music um, most Africans are. <laughs> um, what role does music and music play as far as you know the griot, uh, even like you know from from back in the day to now? Like, what what is the role of what is the role of music? I'll start from from a historical standpoint, and then I want my brother, if he don't mind, to wheel it on in into the modern day time, right? right. Um, so, but you you music. Music, I don't care in African culture, 
even up to this day, music is embedded in everything they do. Mm-hmm. If they out there in the field mm-hmm. and they're doing stuff for their harvest, right? There's drums and singing and dancing going on. Mm-hmm. If there's a ceremony going on, it's singing and dancing. Mm-hmm. If visitors are coming in, they're welcoming people in to singing and dancing. Mm-hmm. And so music is a vital key when it comes to our culture. That's why we love music. And I, and I think we are, you know, one of the most talented musicians in whatever era, you know what I'm saying, whatever genre we put out, we step into, man. But um, music is a way also of uh, sharing or, 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 or conveying information. If you have the griot who has the kora, is one of the instruments um, almost look kind of like a violin in some form or some type of harp, right? If you see him, and most of the time, historically, you will see even today with modern griots because they have modernized themselves, but they still carry that instrument. You will see the griot beside him singing and dancing, and she's singing. She may be singing about a victory, that they had over their enemies, right? And this is something to be, you know, that she's passing down so people can get because we, it, it like Sean said a while ago, we start doing things subconsciously and don't even know why we're doing certain things, mm-hmm. right? And you mm-hmm. know, we'll listen, I'll listen to something, even if I don't like a song on the radio, if I'm listening to the song on the radio and I hear it so much, I, I ain't got to, I could be just sitting in the house and you can, you, I go to singing that song, man, or possibly doing something that the song, you know, it just all depends. But music, this is the way that they was able to share and tell their stories and entertain in the same aspect, because we do that in the same sense today. You know, a lot of our people that we love, and I'm, I'm speaking about us, that we love, that we can name, whether it's a hip hop artist, whether it's a jazz artist where it's an R&B artist or where it's a blues artist, what we got out of that, what we learned, the life lessons that they shared, the things that we possibly didn't even know that existed that our ancestors or what we are doing in real time. So music played a also a vital role because a griot was not only a teacher and a historian and an advisor or a warrior, which we skip over at times, but they were singers and musicians, right? Mm-hmm. And this was another way for them to deliver a story through their music. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Look how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go with the uh, the 50 years of hip hop mm-hmm. approach, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for anybody that's younger watching this podcast later on, uh, I gotta always say it like that. In our childhood, there was no internet. It was no World Wide Web. It wasn't no Wi-Fi and streaming. So until they on the West Coast talking about what's happening in Compton and Los Angeles and Oakland. And, and besides little small things you seen on the 10 o'clock news, it wasn't no world, it wasn't no 24 hour news cycle. 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock news. Um, you see Rodney King, a certain things happening. Besides that, the music told us about the police brutality mm. and things going on over there, right? Right. Uh, everything was so regional back then. So it took Master P and Cash Money to tell you what's going on with the Calio projects and the Holly Grove projects and what's going on here in the plight of New Orleans and Louisiana situations. So those hip-hop artists 
were giving us the the view of what's going on around them. A person like mm -hmm. Nas, Jay Z, whoever, mm -hmm. telling you what's happening socially, economically. They're telling you so many things. That's why I love hip hop scholars. I've been three or four years studying that. Mm. The hip hop scholars, right? Because mm -hmm. to us in the nineties, it was just good music, right? And then these hip hop scholars break down to you. Do you realize in this Nas song, he covered these four or five genres in one song? Wow, genocide and this thing and that thing and this thing. You be like, I didn't think about it that deep. It was a cold song. Yeah, and I don't even know if Nas thought about it that deep when he wrote it. Right, but it's here. Right, right. it's here. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. So, right. so, so, so those hip hop artists, like Kobe just said, those jazz musicians, mm, mm -hmm. it, it, the, the the Negro spirituals, we can go all the way back. Yeah, mm -hmm. they were telling stories in these songs. You know what I'm saying? Right. It took you to listen a little more, like Jay Z said. Do you really listen to it? Or do you just skim through it? Right. You can't just skim through it. And, and, you got to penetrate. A lot of those songs, um, especially during the times when we were on. Uh, the plantation had hidden messages so the plantation owner didn't know what we were talking about. We were able mm -hmm. to convey messages to each other by, you know, they were like, oh, they're just out there singing again. But we was now, once again, plotting. <laughs> once again, Kofi knows this. He, he can tell you more than I can tell you. Over in Africa, they, they was communicating for miles with the drums. Mm. They was yes. letting you know, man, some, man, somebody come and get ready. Yes, Man, this is going on, get ready. Yes. Yeah, Kofi, yes. if you can, build on that a little bit. <laughs> nah, because that's that's powerful, man, just to be able, you know, like, the reason, and the reason why I think that's a, an important point that Sean even brought up is because it, it goes to the idea of we have to stop letting white academia let tell us what is what is the standard for communication, right? Um, what is the standard for the transmission of information? If I'm able to tell you a story or tell you or warn you by simply using a drum, that is not primitive. That's actually genius. You know what I'm saying? But when I want to add one brother all the time. The brother Dr. Wesley Muhammad, I love that mm -hmm. brother. Mm -hmm. He had a whole presentation on the 808, the 808 wow. drum. Wow, uh -huh. and the weapon, the, the phrase is the weaponization of hip hop. Mm. Go look that up. The weaponization of hip hop. See, we don't, we don't want to take the time to study these sciences, right? Mm -hmm. But these billion dollar corporations, they study how many hertz to put a certain beat at, mm. how many hertz it take to hypnotize you. They clone Tyrone, right? They use the beat mm. to make you have a warrior mentality towards your brother. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, bro. But but look, haven't you heard of people? You gotta, you gotta take it. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna watch it. But haven't you heard like people like like we've all even seen it, you know, like especially during the crunk era in the club. The club wasn't a safe place, man. You know what I'm saying? With, bro, with the, the type of music see, and what they're telling you in the music, bro. People don't think it had any type of effect on their psyche, but let it me, definitely did. Let me tell you what I saw one time at work when I had a blue collar job. Mm -hmm. I had a delivery job, right? I'm inside my truck watching my coworker. He mm -hmm. a grown man older than me. Mm -hmm. He had his headphones on. I don't know what he playing. <laughs> right. But I promise on everything, <laughs> I literally watched this brother get hypnotized and transform into a very aggressive state. Mm. He's sitting there by himself. Right. 
Right. Ain't nobody telling him nothing. Ain't nobody messing with his brother. He is working himself up via this music. Wow. I'm like, wow, this is this is crazy to watch this. Right. Right. And it's like 15 years ago. I just never forget the imagery of wow, you're a grown man. <laughs> right. And you, you, you're getting so transformed by this music. Right. And it's, it's it's like eight in the morning. Ain't nothing even happening. <laughs> right. We, we ain't even left we ain't left the yard yet. You already you already gassed up. Right, right, right. But but the, but but the my only point in saying any of that is the transferring of music and information and the drums and the mm -hmm. beats and the cadences and the frequencies and the vibrations, like this sounds like pseudo stuff, but this is actual verified science. And our ancestors even knew that way back then. Mm. That's where COVID come in at. Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm agreeing, you know, like like you said, the drums, like the drums were everywhere, bro. I'm just going to tell you, the drums were everywhere, man. Um, right. And he mentioned communications. I did a presentation called... Um, the first the first form of communication or the first telephone. Mm -hmm. The drums was, and I'm saying that I'm not saying nobody else said that or I, I read that, you know, just by me just dealing and uh doing numerous presentations on the drums and fascinated about what type of wood they use, what type of animal skin did they use, what type of uh uh uh, uh um how did they carve the instrument out, how did they dye the instrument. How did they shine? How, how did they do these certain things? So when you look and see when we got here, we still had that form of, of communicate, communicating with each other, right? So they knew how to, what type of skin that they needed to stretch across that wood and how many inches in diameters that this drum needs to be and how hollow and how deep that it needs to be in order for it to travel miles mm -hmm. away to to warn we were primitive i thought we were yeah. primitive. right 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 i thought we were over there primitive over there scratching our right so you know so that was i'm saying the first form of communication when we got here we was able to communicate with each other by different drums so there was various different drums the only drum that people may know that as a, a popular drum that comes out of Mali is the djembe drum. Mm -hmm. So you hear us always talking about the djembe drum, but there was so many other different drums and so many different styles of drums where you use your hand, but you also had drums, but you had to use a stick, mm -hmm. you know, for the drums, right? Mm -hmm. So there was, I mean, there was so many, which one of the drums is called a stick drum. <laughs> right. Um. So they just knew how to, like I'm saying, the die, you know, the, the centimeters, the metrics, the, the the hollowness, the deepness, what type of animal skin, how far to stretch it, how to put it on in order to make these long communications, you know what I'm saying, to other plantations to warn uh the next plantation or what's going on, or even if a revolt taking place, we're finna get ready to vote. I mean, revolt get ready for the plan or whatever the case may be. So they communicated through the music of the drum. Now mm. the slave owner might've come through and they, and they think they might be playing and rejoicing and doing what they're doing, but shoot, but they ended up figuring that out too. So mm. over here, 
drums got banned. Right. You know, right. drums ended up getting banded um, because they ended up figuring out, oh, y'all communicating by this music, by these drums. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, drums, I say, was the first form of communication or the first phone, the first phone here, because that's what a phone does. You can communicate with people long distances, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's why I, I I titled it that that presentation. That drum was the first form of communication. Drums was the first uh, uh, telephone or cell phone. And you know, you know, I'm, I'm here in Louisiana, right? One of the biggest slave revolts in U.S. history was ha happened in New Orleans a long time ago, right? Mm -hmm. So they would all get together on a Sunday, our only day off, and, and go to Congo Square. Mm. But they call it Congo Square. Mm -hmm. And they, like Kobe said, they had the music going. The whole time, they're planning an insurrection, unbeknownst to these other people. But they're dancing. They got the music mm -hmm. going. And for those mm -hmm. that don't know, I love martial arts, man. Mm -hmm. They're doing their different dances, but they're practicing martial arts, mm -hmm. unbeknownst to them. Mm -hmm. You're going to the copywriter, right. right. the other kinds of martial arts, where it looked like they're just dancing, right. music playing, and they... They're saying so, but but they're mimicking war tactics, fighting tactics. They're practicing. Mm -hmm. That's right, that, and that's genius, man. You know, like it when you genius. think about it, that's genius. You know, genius. um, whenever uh, and whenever I was on the uh, show with you brothers, and uh, when the book was coming out, first off, I'd definitely like to say again, um, I appreciate the invite. I had uh, such a great time. Um, you had uh, an elder brother. Um, on there and uh, you know and so it in preparing for this show I kind of wanted you guys to you know build on what is the role of an elder in most African societies and when it comes to here in us in the diaspora like what is the difference between an elder and somebody who's just older. <laughs> That's, you know, that everybody loved that, man. Uh, elder versus older. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we've been we've been brought up that it's just because somebody is older than you, you should respect them, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you should respect them no matter what because they're older than you. And that's how we looked at it. But again, that's we looking and we have learned something from somebody else's worldview and somebody else's perspective. That's why I always say we got to tell our own stories from our own perspective, excuse me, our own worldview. So when we look at the worldview or we look at it through the lens of our ancestors, you being older than me does not make you an elder, mm. right? So there's certain things you have to go through and do in order to become an elder. When we, when we, we start talking about the rites of passages, right? And and being an elder sets you up to be an ancestor. We speak that word too uh, loosely. Oh, the ancestors, the ancestors. But some of the people that you may have said is your ancestors, uh, totality of your family or society say they don't even speak his name, right? Mm. Because of the things that he did. So an elder and an older has two different things. An elder has a responsibility. An elder has a responsibility where he has to be um, a a an important role model. He has to be a role model, right? He has to have good character. Is another thing. He has to have good character. He have to be able to uh, uh, be a good beacon in his community. He have to be able to be strategic uh, uh, um, in a way that he's giving his lessons to the youth. He has to be able to gravitate and pull the, the youth up and educate them so that when they go out and become 
men and, and, and recognized as an adult because one turning 18 or, or getting or getting your driver's license becoming 21 here makes you and uh, 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 um make you an adult. In African culture, that doesn't make you an adult. There's things that you have to go to and then your family, your society, and your community recognize you as an adult. You have reached the adult, the adulthood. So he has to prepare the youth. That is one, that is the main key. He has to prepare the youth mm. and transit so the youth can transition into being a man and being able to take care of his his family, his seeds, being an important figure in the community teaching important and vital lessons to everyone among amongst him. So he has to be responsible in his actions and in his deeds, right? So that is an elder, right? So right. an older is someone that we see that's hanging out on the, on the street with his pants sagging, cussing, or even teaching a, per, a, a person how to sell poison in his neighborhood or not being a right example when you see him beating up his wife at the community store, right? You know, these are these are not examples of being an uh, being an elder. It is an older, so we must distinguish an elder between an older. So that's why I wrote that piece because that part is an elder griot. Even though Keith Nicholson is our elder griot, he is also a master griot. Once you get this guy has forty two publications and fifty man fifty two manuscripts waiting to right. get publication. He's a writing machine and he's right. excellent and superb. At, and at, at what he does, right? He's meritorious. That's his word he likes to use all the time, right, son? So he's meritorious, right? Mm. So we have to give him his flowers because he is a master griot, but he's an elder. So in order, before we go into talking about key, we have to establish what an elder and an older is and why we call him our elder griot. So it is definitely a difference between an elder and an older. I want to I want to add on to that real fast, man. You know, once again, I'm at an age of my life now, which is funny to me. On a lot of jobs I work on, I might be the oldest guy in the room now. Right, right. It happens so fast. Yeah, yeah. From being the mentee, from being the mentee myself, to now people literally coming to you with a straight, serious face, asking you serious, I want to say life and death questions. Right, right. And they want your honest opinion, man, Mr. Sean. I'm thinking about what you think about this. Mm -hmm. And so now I gotta slow myself down because I know that that person hanging on my every word. Whatever I'm about to tell this young person, they're gonna really go and do it. Right, right, right. That's a whole different level of responsibility than just two homies just kicking it, just, just shooting the crap at work. Like, now nah, this person really asking me a dire question about their relationship, about the household, about the finance, about whatever it might be, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So now that we're getting to that that elder older stage, we got to start making that 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 deciphering how you want to be perceived at this latter part of your <laughs> life. Are you an right. elder? Are you benefiting your community? Are you benefiting people around you? Are you just uh, passing years on the calendar? Mm, right. You, uh, you, you're I, getting older by you, you're getting older by accident. You ain't getting no better. <laughs> <laughs> right? Older older by accident. Yeah, I like look, that. But now that's that's real. It, it's like going to a job, right? And it's said, mm. oh, man, someone's like, here, 20 year employee. Mm. Are you 20 years? Like, you got better every year? Right. Are you only managed not to get fired for 20 years? That's right. two different things. Right. Two different things. Even some relationships. They've been married for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Is that 20 years of thriving relationship? Or y'all just y'all just too lazy to get divorced? Right. That's two different things. 
Right. So it's the same thing with our age. You're getting better. You're getting sharper. You're getting progressive. Or you just, you man, not, not, not to die in the pandemic. You know what I mean? You yeah. die <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, I wanted to, I, I was, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, when it comes to the the griot and in some West African societies, uh, would is this in a position that is given to you by you know uh, belonging to a certain family? Is it the people that elect you um, this position? And and if you can just talk about you know. Especially because in West Africa, right? Like how in you know different societies, one actually gets this title. They are groomed to be that you are born to be a griot, meaning that my father and my mother was a griot, a griotti, right? So you're being you you're born into that role, and mm. and and you are groomed into that role. So and every griot and griotti don't serve like we give a a ton a list of the roles of the griot, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that every role is going to be facilitated by a griot. I may be, I may only be a teacher. I may be an advisor and I may be a musician. Sean may be a musician, an advisor, a storyteller, um, and a warrior, right? Mm -hmm. And someone, you may yourself may be a warrior. You may be an, you may be an, uh, uh, an ambassador and a historian, right? So you're groomed in whatever role it is that your family have. Like my family may be just, and, and I'm saying that too, because I'm groomed, whether I look at it or not, I was groomed into this role, right? Even when you 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 read the art of storytelling chapter two, and you most people will think that, damn, you and Sean, man, y'all smart. Y'all was smart in school, you man. That was far from the case, but I was being groomed because most of most of my family on my father's side are teachers and preachers. Mm. So both of them are conveying information. Both of them are teaching, right? Both mm -hmm. of them has to retain information. Both of them have to read on a daily basis. And then they have to convey that information back, right? In a way that it hits for somebody to, to gravitate, to understand, right? right? So I've seen this my entire life. Going to school and even some of my aunties and my cousins, I was in their classrooms because they was my teachers. Mm. I was brought up in the church. So my grandmother, who was uh, who they considered a prophetess, um, she also preached. Um, my auntie, um, who they considered was a prophetess and she, she's still a preacher. My father, who is a who is a, a, a teach, a, a, a preacher. Right. So. I was groomed to be a griot, right? So I was groomed to be a teacher. I was groomed for this. So it's the same. One was born to be a griot when we deal with it from the aspect of a West African culture, because most of this, this term griot or griotti, you know, and these roles, even though there's not, these roles are not prevalent in East Africa, South Africa, North Africa, but they're mostly predominant in West Africa. That's why you will hear about the people in Mali talking about the Griots. That's why you will hear about the people in Senegal talking about the Griots and the Griotis. That's why you will hear down in Benin, the Griots and the Griotis. Quota Varela, you will hear about the Griots because those, those group of men and women was one of the most important roles in 
African society, right? Sean, on the last episode, you would think that the, the warrior, not the last episode, but the last interview, mm -hmm. that the warrior would be the highly favored, not the intellectual, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the griot was. Sean, mm -hmm. can you share what they did to the, gri the griots? They didn't go after the warriors. Who did yeah. they go after? Yeah. It was a podcast I was on recently, and the podcast got released today before we came on the air, oh. by the way. I I'll share it out later. Okay. But um, it, it was this group of people called the Bards, right? B-A-R-D-S, Bards. You can look it up later. To one. And um, they were the griot of that area in the world, right? Mm -hmm. But whenever they were overtaken and colonized, they would round up all the scholars mm. and execute them. Mm. We got to right. kill them. We, we got to kill their story. We got to kill their ability to tell. Mm. Wow. So we're we, we going to round up all these scholars and storytellers and, and historians. We got to execute them off the top. I want to um, I want to ask you guys one last question. Um, what happens when a society especially a black society that has been through what we've been through what ha what happens when we don't um transmit our histories uh via storytelling via written word via music via um all the other ways that we transmit our stories what happens because it, Sean you know you telling that story of you know how they rounded up the griots and the scholars and they killed them um yeah. transport that to now and we see the efforts that are made to stop us from telling our stories what yeah. happened what happens when they, what happens when we stop telling our stories in my opinion you see it in, in culture you, you're left grabbing that straws trying to identify with something mm. right so mm -hmm. i'm not knocking anybody i'm going to make an example we're going to start doing some Buddhism and get some of their culture in align with that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get some uh, some Arab things in align with that. I'm going to get some this thing, some uh, some uh, Eastern things from Asia and whatnot in align with that. Like you're trying to find something to align with. I'm going to get mm -hmm. some kind of culture about myself and mm -hmm. dress like them, talk like them, eat like them, pray to their religious uh, deities, just trying to find something. Right, right. But the actual people from those places they are deeply rooted in whatever that is. Right. Because they're from that. They didn't mm -hmm. forget that. Right. And even here in the U.S., so many people that come over here, they're not just sending their children to school until 3 or 4 o'clock and then that's it. Right. They got after-school programs. They got summer programs. They got weekend things they're doing. Like, yeah, you're going to school over here, mm -hmm. but you're going to still learn our tradition, our culture, our holidays, our um, revered people. Right. Right, right. You're not just going to their school. Right, right. They said that only a fool will let the oppressor educate your children, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody yeah. said that Malcolm, before. Malcolm. Um, <laughs> there, there it is, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to answer your question, what happens is you just left grabbing that stuff because you want to identify with something so bad. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody listening did your DNA test. If you never did, go out there and do it. But I tell you, for me, when I started to literally see my DNA and see people in my DNA, it did strengthen and embolden me a little bit more than what it was before because I'm starting to see a trajectory. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you, right. if you if if you don't have that, 
Yeah. What do you anchor to? Right. What, right. what, 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 do, what, do, what do you more to? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got that just floating. So I'll leave it at that. Indeed. Can you, for one more time, you know, uh, ask, ask that question one more time, man, and I'm going to give you short and precise uh, answer. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say what happens whenever we stop um, uh, transmitting our history, uh, whenever we stop transmitting our, our folk tales and our cultural mores uh, to the next generation, what like what happens? Oh, man, Sean kind of wrapped it all up. We're going to be grabbing one, like he said, grabbing. We're definitely going to lose a self, lose who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, our identity, which we already have lost our identity and we're grabbing to anything. I'm a Native American over here. No, I'm Buddha. I'm Buddhist over here. No, I'm a Hebrew. It's all these things where we're gravitating to these different identities because we already lost who we are as a, as, as a self. But if we don't, if we stop doing this, right, because there are surgeons of, re, of, of, of what I call people are, uh, regaining their consciousness, right, and understanding who they are and gravitating toward the things that they need to learn about themselves to strengthen their families and then able to go out and strengthen communities and then from there commi- uh, uh, strengthen their communities, states, and other countries, right? Mm-hmm. So if we stop, I we're going to end up we're going to end up continuously making the same mistakes that our ancestors made and the same mistakes that we are seeing ourselves make in real time today. Right. Right. Um, oh, go ahead. You No, no. I, yeah. But, and, but before we go, I I, I want to ask you guys this question um, because you just, what you said kind of sparked something. I saw somebody online the other day, uh, and it's no disrespect to them. I disagreed, but it's, it's not. So I'm not. I'm not going to say any names. But um, they made a comment that said, um, "You know, all African Americans do is think about the past and pout." And I and, and I and I and I, re, and I reminded him that uh, you know, Dr. John Henry Clark said the past is the present, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are you? You know, I think that kind of goes back to what both of you guys were saying. If we don't, if we don't focus on both, the, we have to be able to focus on both the past and the and present the si- simultaneously. That's correct. Um, look, look, look what I was saying too, right? Mm-hmm. Even with that concept we're talking about right here, right. the manipulation of time. Mm. That's not the way our ancestors saw time. How we see time right no, now? No, we no, we saw we saw it that's why, We saw we yes. saw that in a cipher, man. It was not that, linear. That, that's why them people saw the uh, the Mayan calendar and they saw, oh man, and they got confused. Yeah, man, they man, got... <laughs> man, the world gonna end. No, yeah, that, yeah. That, that cycle mm-hmm. ended. That right. cycle right. Uh, reset at this particular point. It didn't end. It's not linear. Right, right, right. So you're correct when you said the past is the present is always happening. That is the, the the most true statement today. Right, right, right. It's always important to be in Sankofa looking mm-hmm. back, right, to go mm-hmm. forward. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's that, that that's a loaded thing when you say a little small thing like that. That's loaded. That's heavy. It's very loaded. Right. 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 No, you absolutely. Uh, the, the, the the time. No, look at this. Look, look how they do it. But back to the fiction, Marvel that, and DC Comics. Marvel and DC Comics. They're showing you the quantum universe now mm-hmm. in the multiverse. Right. 
And and, and and so, yeah, and like you mentioned it, like the Sankofa bird is looking backwards, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, you, we, ne we must never forget and we must always continue. I, I mean, I, actually, and, and, and to be honest with you, and it was somebody who who calls themselves African centered. But the fact of the matter is it is it is European to forget about your to 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 even think that it's okay for us to stop telling our story. It's okay for us to stop looking backwards. It's okay foolishness. for us. Yeah, it's foolishness. It, it, foolishness. It, everybody else is not doing it. The, the, everybody else is right. not doing it. They, who, they, yeah, right. who is doing it? Right. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I was fellas, who over there telling uh, the victims of World War II, man, forget, forget about the Holocaust. Nobody. Who over there telling any other place in the world, no. forget about your tragedy, forget about this thing that happened up. But when it come to us, right? Remember that old saying: "The bug stops here." For some reason, when it come to us, the bug stops here. <laughs> Y'all got to forget and get over that. I, I don't right. know where that came from. Right? Like just us. Right. Forget. Just us. Mm -hmm. Don't don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Don't get no reparations. Don't get no kind of repeat. No no kind of nothing. Mm. But, the, 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 even Native Americans have all kind of kickbacks. Oh, what happened to them? Most yeah. definitely. Right? Yep. Yep. And, but, and that's why people, look, people, people say it is, right? People say, man, y'all been here for all these hundreds of years and y'all still coming up. But these other cultures come here in a matter of time and they owning things. Mm. There's a reason for that. Yeah, They come here and get all kind of kickbacks. Oh they yeah, all it's, kind it's, of it's systemic. They want, you yeah, to, exactly. they want you to feel like it's, uh, it's, it's either, either, so either you understand that it's a systemic issue or you think that we are an, an inferior people. It's only mm -hmm. one or the other. Right? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but for everybody who, you know, for one, thank you guys for coming on, man. This has definitely been uh, an amazing conversation. I, I appreciate it. Uh, for those who are just, um, you know, uh, getting familiar with the Griot podcast, let everybody know where they can find it, when they can watch it. I'll definitely have the link uh, in the description. But again, just kind of let everybody know uh, what to expect moving forward with the podcast. All right. Well, um, our, um, the Griot podcast, it's a visual and it's an audio. The visual, mm -hmm. we go live once a month at the end of the month. And we go live from my uh, channel, Kofi Pichet TV. That's on YouTube. And following after the interview, I mean the podcast. We we transferred and we do a uh, audio. So if you want to listen to it in your car, you want to listen to it while you're at the desk at work. You want to listen to it while you're cleaning up. You can go to Spotify or Anchor and listen to it. Um, the um, the pod the podcast man. Each episode we five episodes in, which you was a part of uh, episode five. We finna get ready at the end of the month, do episode six, which I'm mm -hmm. kind of amped about. Uh, <laughs> Poor Righteous Teacher is the name of the next episode. Dope, dope, dope. I think you need to tap in to I will. We, I we will. talk I about will. the 5% <laughs> and I some other issues. And uh, um, uh, man, I, I think you're going to love the episode too, man. Um, Almost definitely. I, I'm a big fan of the show. I I like, I, I not only appreciate the, the, uh, conversation and and the knowledge that y'all kick but as sean mentioned earlier the uh chemistry and is it's entertaining right it makes for an entertaining show um and i and i think that is fitting to have a podcast uh called the the you know uh the uh, 
the griot podcast because the the griot couldn't be boring this is the reason why they would tell stories uh in a storytelling format or have you know musical expressions of ideas um in order to keep one's attention and and y'all do that very well um again uh, brother sean brother kofi I wanted to say, man, I appreciate y'all for coming on. This definitely uh, won't be the last time I have y'all alone. Um, we got so much to talk about, man, when it comes to our people and and uh, what we want to do moving forward. For everybody, again, um, the link will be in the description. Everybody go purchase the book. Go yes, purchase sir. the book. Um, and, and you know, just show your appreciation for, for two brothers that are uh, working hard to to you know tell our story to shine light on different um, ideas within uh, black life, black culture, black history. Um, it's very important that we continue to appreciate and respect those among us that are doing that work. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, all of this stuff that we're doing is like a second job sometimes, man. Um, it requires a lot of work. And so um, definitely support these brothers. Go to the uh, uh, go to Spotify, follow them, go to the uh, YouTube channel, uh, hit subscribe, um, hit the bell and the notifications. Also, when it comes to the Wise of Dome podcast, make sure uh, you go subscribe on Spotify and Apple as well because we are on there. Uh, thank you for everybody. For Can I say one more? Say one oh, more yeah, thing? for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no, I just wanted you, we hold the book up. I just want to make this clear. The book, by supporting us, go to www.sametreedifferentbranchpublishing.com. They are placed on other placements and other uh, print-owned uh, publishing companies. Buy it directly from us. My brother got his shirt, got the shirt on right now. That's also available. Patronize the author directly. So patronize, mm -hmm. patronize us directly. Go to that website. If you can't remember the website, just DM me or Facebook message me or Sean, man, and we'll make sure we get the book to you. No doubt. No doubt. And with that, man, we'll say peace. Uh, tune in uh, next time and we'll definitely have another powerful show. But thank you, brothers, for coming in. Peace, peace, man. Appreciate it.